Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to Believe in Chargers. And again, Lo, we get to celebrate. We follow the Chargers riding a streak. Yeah, it's only two games, but they are still streaking. They did it earlier in the year to get back to 500 at two and two. Then they dropped the contest against the Cowboys and the Chiefs, dug themselves a bit of a hole, started getting written off by everybody in the national media. And now after a primetime display of dominance, particularly on the defensive side of the ball that we'll dig into a little bit deeper a little bit later, uh, back in that conversation as a team that everyone's starting to say, okay, could this be the frisky wild card squad that we saw last year in the first half against the Jaguars? Exactly. Let's go streaking. I love that movie, man. <laughs> just, you just put that in my mind when there I said go. that. But, <laughs> but yeah, they are too. Let's take those two games and let's continue to build. Let's continue to go streaking because this Charger team, it looks like there can be some lightning still left in that bottle. You still have an uphill battle. You still have to keep climbing. But like you said, Matt, they put one on top of another one, which is keep stacking. So this 2-0 start, that's not bad. And I would like to to point out, for those of you, uh, and yes, I'm biased, fine, call me a homer, it's the best social media and digital media squad in all of the NFL, and it's not close. It's why they win the the award year in and year out. Jason, who runs the digital team, and Megan, who runs all of social media, just go ahead and look back at a lot of their posts. Uh, For those that say, oh, this was an easy one, the Jets stink. Okay, well, then why did four of the five people on the ESPN panel pick the Jets to win? And why did six of the 10 people on the NFL pick them decide that the Jets were going to win? It was just a thorough bit of domination from the defensive side of the football low. And that's the one matchup that we thought needed to raise its hand. Why? Because it had in the previous game against the Bears, in the previous second half against the Chiefs, in which they only allowed seven on that big punt return for 51 yards that gave them the short field. This defense is now starting to show out a little bit. Joey Bose is healthy. Tuli Tui Pelotu has come on. And man, it does look like a unit that very well could start making some waves despite the statistical measures that say they're a bottom five unit in terms of points and yards in the league. No question, Matt. They're showing up and they're showing out. And you watch this defense. They continue to show up week in and week out right now. And they're starting to get their swagger. They're playing better in the secondary. They're playing better in the trenches. Like you said, Joey Bosa's finding his stride. Kableel Mack and the other guys around him. Everyone's stepping up and doing their job. Like you alluded to, when you look at this Jets team, this was a team that's played great ball. By last I checked, Matt, this Jet team beat a team called the Philadelphia Eagles yeah. that was undefeated, the only team that's given them a loss. So when you think of Robert Sala and what he's known for, it's defense. Take back three, four years ago when he's with the San Francisco 49ers. Think of what kind of defense he put together. Fast forward to the Jets. That defense can get after it, and they can hum, and they know how to play ball and take play takeaways. But let me reintroduce myself. My name is L.A., and that's the Chargers, Matt. Those boys said, you know what, Jets? 
anything you can do, we can do better. We're going to show you guys, and we're going to show the league and all these doubters that our defense, if we bow our necks and we put our big boy pads on, Matt, we can play with anyone in the league. I'm fired up. Well, and you know what? It's going to be a big test this coming week. We'll also address the uh, the upcoming game on Sunday. was talking to uh, somebody with the Chargers out in New York, and they had mentioned that the ticket for the Lions game is hotter than the ticket on Monday Night Football for the Cowboys game. That is how much excitement and heat is around this particular contest. And that's an opportunity for this defense to really, I guess, you know, look, they don't care what the national media says. All they do is care about winning the game and playing good football. But at the same time, you slow down this Lions offense, which has been explosive all year. It's also a defense, by the way, that's sort of been overlooked because we get excited about offense in the NFL. But this is the stretch, right? We talked about this after the win over the Bears. Okay, well, now this begins a bit of a friendly stretch. And you can say, okay, well, the Lions and the Ravens are two of the best teams in the NFL, but you get them at home. And you get your road games to be your easier contest, the Jets the Packers, the Patriots, at least teams that maybe have flawed sides of the football. So this is a nice stretch for them. And they started off the right way with two consecutive wins against the Bears and the Jets to build some of that momentum going to this next two or three that will include both the Lions and the Ravens at home sandwiched around a trip to Green Bay. Yeah, I like what they have these next two games. Like you talked about, hey, I'm glad that they're playing at home in SoFi against a Detroit team that the team is pretty good. Aaron Glenn, a personal friend, played with him with the Jets. He and I played together, you know, back in the back in the aughts. Um, great corner, great guy, and he's a good defensive coordinator. Like what Aaron Glenn does, like you said, on the defensive ball, this Detroit Lions team, they play well. They play consistent. I think when you think about the quarterback position, I think that we have a huge edge in the quarterback position. But you think this game, to me, you look at what their schedule is, this is a game that you got to find a way. you got to find a way that can build. Like you said, streaking. Let's continue to streak one game at a time. This can be number three. And then, you know what? Let the chips fall where they may because then you're going to play probably the better team in the AFC in the Ravens. So when you think about what's happening now, to me, you have to find a way to beat this Detroit Lions team that's hungry, that can play good football. I think this would be a great test for this Chargers defense as well as their offense. Well, as we uh, get excited to project a potential first time over 500 record with that victory against the Lions, first let's take a look back at what happened on Monday night in, well, New Jersey technically, MetLife Stadium against the Jets. Well, though, we go back to that Monday nighter and you see that 27 to 6 final. And I, I think it's obvious where you start. And it goes back to the conversation around the fourth round pick of Darius Davis. And was it a luxury pick? Was it a wise pick? Do specialists really matter in the NFL anymore with the way the rules have been structured? Kickoffs rarely get returned anymore because the 25-yard line is just too valuable to pass up with the fair catch now and with kickers getting so good with much bigger legs. There's rarely, I mean, nary a kickoff return. So now you're limiting that pick. And Darius Davis looked to be that type of pick. How much is he going to help on offense? Well, his impact's really going to come as a returner with that potential. I mean, you can argue so sub 4-3 speed, depending on what time you want to look at for him. But man, without that, I don't know if that game against the Jets looks the way it does when you have back-to-back -back three and outs for each offense. And then Darius Davis, man, I was sitting right above the Chargers sideline at the 50 where our broadcast booth was, and it exploded. You want to talk about giving your team juice on both offense and defense. When he split that defense and those first two dudes, and you knew he was gone with that speed, 
Uh, it really, really impacts a game. And man, it just made it, it made you say, okay, now I know why they did it. Now I know why they made him a pick in the fourth round. <laughs> no question, Matt. And if he's even, he's leaving. You're like you said, that four, three speed or probably even faster. When you saw the acceleration and split to two and got to the sideline, it was one-on-one -on -one him and the kicker. And you knew the kicker had no chance, even though he had an angle it was amazing just to watch that speed. But, Matt, you and I, we talk about all the time. and People think, hey, Lorenzo, you're old school and you don't know what you're talking about. Always say offense counts as a third, defense counts as a third, and special teams. You think about a week before prior to that. The Jets and the Giants, they played. They punted 24 right. times. So when you think about that, Matt, that gave you an opportunity. Special teams is going to play a huge factor when you're playing in the National Football League. It's a hidden yardage. It's field position. It's those little things. And that's where you have to win games. And that's where you have to be secure. And that was a big time return. When you did that, it switched the momentum change. Like you said, you saw the juice on the sideline. And it put the Chargers in just a better position because you take that away. Now you're grinding. You're in more of a dogfight. Not saying that they wouldn't overcame, but now the Jets couldn't they just sit there and run the ball. They had right. to move more passing the ball. They had to throw the ball up. It made them get away from the run because you started to build. And that's what it takes. But that's how you win football games too, special teams. And they're going to continue to help this team if they want to get where they want to get. Yeah, and also uh, if you saw the 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 social media post of the post-game uh, locker room sort of speech from Brandon Staley, the game balls, Let's not forget Cameron Dicker. I know a lot of people don't want to hear about kickers. Um, you know, the, it's a bit of taboo depending on what kind of special. I would imagine talking to a fullback that's got to put it. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call. Clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Nose in the A and B gaps, snap in and snap out. A dude comes out maybe three, four times, and if they miss, they're you know they're basically the wrong goat. If they make it, they're still not the goat because <laughs> they're just kickers. But understand this about Cameron Dicker: this is how good he is. All right, so he bangs home that 55-yarder to end the half, just to make sure the Jets know, yeah, hey, you screwed up, Nathaniel Hackett. You should have run the ball and run the clock out and gone into the locker room down 14-3. Instead, he tries to throw it three times. Why, I don't know. Chargers get it back. couple beautiful passes from Herbert to Keenan Allen, and they trust the big leg of Cameron Dicker to boot through a 55-yarder. And now they have all the momentum going into halftime, even though the Jets had scored a field goal, you know, as the last score before the break. But Cameron Dicker, through a season and a half now, right? We're now through almost two seasons. He now has the record. If this holds, he will he will have the record for the best field goal percentage in the first two seasons of a kicker's career. That's how good he's been. He's at 94%. And to wow. help put that into context, you know who's number two? The greatest kicker in the history of the NFL. Justin Tucker was at 91.9% .9 through his first two seasons. So that's how good and how valuable Cameron Dicker has been. And he was a big part of that win against the Jets as well. Yeah, Matt, you're absolutely right. When you're talking about a field goal kicker that's that consistent, it puts a lot of pressure on the other team. And you're talking about a Jets team that was looking before half to try to get on the board. 
Instead, you go down even more. And we talked about it last week. You were very, very specific. You said if the Chargers can score 17 or more, the Jets can't win this game. And that's what they did at halftime. And you saw the way the Jets, the team and the morale, they knew it was too much for them to overcome, especially the way the Chargers defense was playing. So that field goal and those the consistency of the field goal kicker was huge in that big win. And I think it's it's important to to point this out. You're up 17 to three at the half, right? And then it becomes 17 six. I I thoroughly believe that Kellen Moore and Brandon Staley had a conversation prior to the game and said, if we go up by more than a touchdown, the only thing we can't do is turn the ball over. Yep. A, a possession that ends with a kick. If it's a field goal or a punt is a victory as long as it doesn't end in a turnover. And you look at their losses on the, or you look at their wins on this three game win streak, right? It was Patrick Mahomes and it wasn't even a win. That was even a loss, but it was a near victory. It's because Patrick Mahomes played the worst game of his career. He turned the ball over. He should have had four interceptions. He ends up with two. Jalen Hurts has three interceptions. Josh Allen, two interceptions and a fumble. I specifically think they said no chances. Justin, you, we're good. Let's let the defense, our defense should overmatch their offense. And all we need to do is make sure we capitalize on the turnovers they create, get into field goal position for Cameron Dicker. Let's see if we can pop one on special teams. But no matter what, under zero circumstances, can we give them a short field and hope that this defense can, because that's how this has happened. That's how they won three in a row. Every single one of those games was a quarterback making mistakes. And so I think for people that are like asking what's wrong with Justin Herbert, no, I think that was the game plan. That's why he had a career low, 136 yards passing, because that number next to it, zero turnovers, zero interceptions, zero fumbles lost, secure the football, punt, play defense, create turnovers, and you'll win this game. And I, I, I absolutely believe that that was the message going into this one. I couldn't agree with you more, Matt. And that's, that's, you see this team and says, Hey, look, let's not do a lot of seven step drop. There was a Billy D commercial and it always said you could drink a better beer, but why take chances? I think there's a Coke 45. You know what? The chargers could have took a bunch of seven state drops, seven step drops, but why take chances? Like you said, let's get the ball out of our hand. Let's not turn the ball over. Let's play field position. And if we can do that, we win this game. And that's what it comes down to the turnover battle, especially when you're playing a team that can't generate a lot of points. They are predicated on turnover battles. Like you said, Staley and they got together and said, look, Kellen, we can't turn the ball over. Let's keep this game plan simple. Let's make sure we get the ball out of Justin's hand and let's sit back and play defense. If we get a lead, we know we can hold it because this offense that we're playing against the Jets, they don't have the firepower and they don't have the trigger man, the quarterback that's going to get it done. So I couldn't agree with you more. I thought it was a great game plan. It was conservative. I know people talk about it, but oh my God, man, we got to talk about Keenan's catch. That catch to me yeah. was legendary. One, two, let me let me turn to the ground, pull the ball to my body. Was that like the catch in your opinion? <laughs> it was, and it was exciting for, for us because it was a history-making catch. That's the catch that put him over 10,000 career yards. And so he joins exclusive company, only phase the 54th player in the history of the NFL when you think about how long and storied this game is, uh, this his the history of this game is, to be part of that group and to do it on that catch and for that to lead to another score that essentially put this thing out of reach, right? And that's that's the other thing, is when plays had to be made, Herbert made him. That rush 
on third down, right, for 11 yards. And when Herbert used all six foot six of that frame and 240 pounds of that frame to pick up those two extra yards, like, yeah, I get it. You look at the box score, it says three rushes for 17 yards, but 11 of those were critical and they led to points. Keenan, you know, Herbert's 136 yards passing. Yes, it's the lowest of his career, but guess what? 33 of those were to Keenan Allen on that catch that led to a score. He made pressure throws. He threw the ball away when he had to. He never put, and he was under pressure probably 50% of the snaps. That Jets sure. defensive front is legit. So, you know, we're talking a lot about the offense, low, and I think we should shift to the defensive side of the ball, specifically that front that piled up eight sacks and how good a healthy Joey Bosa with Khalil Mack and now with a third pass rusher with Tuli Tui Pelotu out there how good this front is and, and how you're going to start hearing about them a heck of a lot more moving forward the second half of the season. Yeah, man, I couldn't agree with you more. When you're talking about offense entertained and defense wins championships, I love those sayings. But you think about what this defensive front's been able to do. Bosa's getting healthy. Khalil Mack's playing well. And these guys are older gentlemen. So what do you need to have? The other guys. And the other guys are stepping up. So it's giving them the opportunity on third down to bring Mac back in, on third down to have Bolsa, they can take a series off. And that's what you want to see this defense. If you want to continue to see these guys go out and play at a high level, then the other guys continue to play at the level they're playing. And this team can be keep, keep on cooking in Crisco. But the biggest thing is the consistency that you've seen out of this defense in the last three or four weeks. Look, I think... I don't think it is crazy or it's it's not, you know, a I'm not looking at it through powder blue glasses. I, I do believe that Thule is firmly in the conversation for defensive rookie of the year. I don't think just because it goes beyond sacks, you know, he had two in that game. So he's got four on the season now, but I got the pressures right here. Right. So Khalil Mack gets nine pressures, two sacks. Joey Bosa gets six pressures, two and a half sacks. Thule had seven pressures in that game. And you know how that works. Your pressures regularly equal other people's sacks. And Julie yes. has been, he has been a driving force for that. For so many of those Bosa and Khalil Mack sacks have been a result of Thule's pressure. And that to me is what has changed everything, completely changed the calculus of how this defensive line operates, particularly because in obvious passing situations, Brandon Staley now has those three guys out there, and oftentimes Morgan Fox, one of the best pass-rushing interior linemen in the league. So, And and what Thule now allows him to do, because he's shown himself to be such a, not even a capable, but an exceptional run-edge setter. He is great at tackling against the run. So now Coach Staley is stacking Bosa inside of Mac. He's stacking Bosa inside of Thule, and Bosa is wrecking I mean wrecking guards left and right right now because of what Thule is giving them and on top of that they found is what what you know I, a lot of people like to call depending on what sport you play soccer lacrosse it's very common the Cheeto where's the Cheeto the Cheeto was Billy Turner and they took turns and they were like no no no, I want some of that no give me some of that and you saw them go after Billy Turner who inexplicably was kicked out to tackle in that game <laughs> And they took advantage of it to the tune two sacks apiece and two and a half for Bosa to come out of that game with eight sacks. Then you might be looking at three guys with double digit sacks come the end of this regular season. 
No question, man. And you talked about it. You said not one, not two, but like four or five of the Jets' offensive line was going to be out, and they've been a mischick offensive line, mistag, moving guys in, moving guys in and out. You said that they were going to be able to feast until your until everyone what you said. It did happen the way that you said. But like you said, when you put Bolsa inside over a guard, he's just too quick off the ball. Tackles want to set and they can kick so they can keep up with his speed because they're they're tackles and they're going to get back and get depth and get wide. When you're talking about now I'm putting an outside rusher inside on a guard that's more squatty and shorter. Now he can take an edge. Boom, take it inside, outside edge. And now those guards are turning their body. But like you alluded to, because Tui is doing that and because Khalil Mack are taking the edge, now what does the quarterback have to do? He set, get to that seven step, and now he has to climb up in the pocket, but he can't because you have Bolsa, other guys there. So now he has to stay back there, and they're having a meeting in the, they're having a meeting at the quarterback at that seven step drop. I absolute love what, what, what Staley is doing with this defensive front mixing it up, disguising certain things, but absolutely moving guys from in, out, and doing that. And that's what's causing a lot of the offensive line to break down because they just can't keep up with the speed. Yeah, and it's a perfect place for us to shift now to the game coming up on Sunday against the Lions. So the Lions come to town low. We mentioned it a little bit earlier. A lot of heat on this game. It's been shifted to the national game for CBS. So Jim Nance... And, uh, and Tony Romo and Tracy Wolfson are going to be on the call. It's, it's their national game. It's one of the hottest teams in football, a team that, depending on which power rankings you're looking at, is anywhere from number four to maybe number eight in the Lions. They're top six on offense. They're top six on defense. They have arguably the best offensive line in football when it comes to pressures allowed and pressure rate allowed. It's led obviously by anchor Panay Sewell and what he's been able to do at that left tackle position. So that to me is is where a lot of this is, is probably going to raise its hand. Which offensive line can protect their quarterback so this offense can get after it with these two really good defensive lines, you know, going after those offensive lines, both of which are elite? No question. And this comes down to physicality. And it's the big boy pads. You know, football, it's old cliche. Football games are won and lost in the trenches. This is that one that I'm with you, Matt, 100%. You look at Detroit's offensive line, they're maulers. They want to get on you. They want to be road graders. They are. They play with that bravado. And this is that game, the coming out party. If you look at the Chargers and you think about the teams you lost to, the Dolphins, you lost to the Kansas City Chiefs, you lost to a team in the Dallas Cowboys, all these teams that people say, okay, they are probably the upper echelon in this league. So now you're getting ready to play a team, in my opinion, is the most complete team that you've played thus far all yeah. year. This, to me, Matt, is the coming out party for the L.A. Chargers. Can they play Detroit Lions and find a way to win, which, you know, it's probably a two or three point favor Detroit. Can the Chargers, as a team, collectively offensive special teams and deep offensive defense all three phases can they play well because that's what it is going to take and you have to win the turnover battle if you're going to beat this Detroit Lions team yeah the defense look Aiden Hutchinson uh, the the Jaguars have it's it's over I'm sorry I, I don't know what Trevon Walker is going to become but he ain't Aiden Hutchinson that's for sure uh they got that one wrong when it came to which pass rusher do you want to take at number one and which one's going number two Hutchinson is winning 
his win percentage is 20%. One out of every five snaps, he is beating his defender and putting pressure on a quarterback. That is an incredible, to put it in perspective, Joey Bosa is clocking in right around that same number, maybe a little bit less. That's how dominant Hutchinson has been. McNeil, Kaminsky, they're all feeding off of that. They have four guys with over 20 pressures on the season. So the front, you got to worry about. Now that said, you know, we thought that the the Chargers would have to run the football against the Jets to get that, you know, that pass rush to dial back a little bit. They couldn't run. And what happened? You're talking about a pressure rate of about 50% on Justin Herbert in that game. So they've got to figure something out. They have got to be able to play complimentary football on the offensive side, not just lean on Justin Herbert and Keenan Allen to try to be the the sole driving force of offense. And for me, low. You know, and I'd love to to kind of get you, obviously, you know a heck of a lot more about it than I do to dig in on this. I think that means more Josh Kelly. I want to see more Joshua Kelly between the tackles as opposed to trying to get Austin Eckler off to the edges or runs like that. Let's get north and south, and let's get that big body of Joshua <clears throat> Kelly maybe to be – he only ran it three times, but he ran it for six and a half yards per carry. I'd like to see a little bit more of that against this Detroit front. No question. You want to see three to four yards in a cloud of dust, Matt. That's what you want to see. If I can get three to four yards in a cloud of dust, now it's first down, first and 10. Boom, you get four yards. Now it's second and, you know, second and six. You pick up a three. Now, you know what? You're down, you know, third and three, third and two. Right. Now you're in manageable down. That's what it's going to take. You have to win on first and second down because Justin Herbert, you have to realize the offensive line has been inconsistent. And you asking them now to hold for a seven-step drop or five-step drop. It's hard on the offensive line, especially with these guys, Cousinson and those guys coming into town because, you know, Aaron Glenn, he's going to heat those guys up and they can get home with four. You saw right. Detroit. You saw that last week when you when we played against the Jets, they were getting home and getting pressure on Justin with three and four guys. So you don't have to, you know, in, come after. You don't have to go ahead and bring anyone out of the secondary. So you don't have to compromise the integrity of the secondary because you can sit back and play coverage because those three and four guys are getting home. The Chargers have to solve this problem especially when they want to go seven-step drop and give Herbert a chance to throw the ball down the field. So in order to combat that, like you alluded to, you have to run Kelly. You have to win on first and second down. you got to be in third and manageable. Now now your quarterback, three-step drop, can get the ball at his hand, so it's just like a run. If you're third and five and six and seven, he's got to drop back seven yards. I don't trust this offensive line, and nor should the, the fans out there right now, especially with all the injuries that's going on up front. Yeah, I think a couple things um, for Kellen Moore, right, is it's clear that just for whatever reason, and I, I, I may call it making excuses, but Rashawn Slater just still isn't right. That, that ankle has got to be bothering him because he just does not look like himself since the Raider game. And there were a lot more pressures out there. And I'm just so used to seeing him blow guys off the ball on design rushes that are coming his direction. And that offensive line got little to zero push specifically on the edges in the run game. So I say, don't string it out. Just go straight at it. Let Kelly use his physicality and run between the tackles, run in the A and the B gaps. And like you said, get your four yards. And if he can break one and pop one and, and by breaking or popping, I'm talking about seven to eight yards. And I think he can do that. That to me seems the most effective way. And on top of that, I would do what he did last year with Tony Pollard and Zeke in the backfield. He did a lot of that in Dallas. And that way you have the option in the shotgun 
to run either of them, keep the defense guessing, or get some of those smoke routes, you know, to, to Austin or Joshua who can catch the ball out of the backfield and just have, you know, sort of that little bit of a wrinkle. Uh, not to mention design quarterback runs. I think you're going to have to do something to try to goose this run game, to get it going, because just design rushes and hoping that your offensive line wins at the point of attack We've been through eight games now and and saved week one against the Dolphins when they were playing with a ridiculously light box, snap in and snap out. I just don't think it, it it's proven that it's just not going to happen. So you've got to take a different approach. And I think it's going to be critical for them to try to get this because you've got to hold on to the ball. You, you've got you cannot lose the time of possession game like you did against the Jets against these Lions. No, you can't give them ample opportunities to have the ball. The more you give them the ball, the more chances they have. You can't do that with the Detroit Lions. They're well coached. You know Aaron Glenn on the D, as a D.C. He's going to come after him. This Charger team has to learn to stay ahead of the sticks. That's going to be very, very important. Stay ahead of the sticks on offense. Defense continue to bend but don't break, especially in the red zone as well as their plan. Their plan is just as good as anybody in the red zone. They got, you know, making those stops when you have to. They have to just stay consistent and everyone just do their job. Keep stacking these wins. This is a big game. The Detroit Lions is going to be the biggest test. You want a national, you want people to say the Chargers are the team to be reckoned with. You find a way to win this game against the Detroit Lions. And I'm telling you right now, the league will say the Chargers are back and they're for real. Yeah, I'll, I'll wrap it up with this uh, on my side. Lo, you look at the Baltimore game, five sacks, right? So they got to go off. He doesn't like getting hit. You, you got to get in hit. And I think that goes back to the personal foul penalty that, that Joey took early against the Jets. I, I think the reason why, if you ask Brandon Staley or Tom Telesco, they'd say, oh, no, we were good with that. That was Joey giving him a heck of a shove and a hit to say, guess what? It's the first series, and I'm going to be here all night, and I am in your nightmares. And I think it's Jared Goff has proven he doesn't like it. He does not like when that pocket gets muddy. He doesn't like getting hit. He's not very mobile. Wouldn't mind seeing a little bit of that early. I thought that's what the Ravens did. They had timely blitzes, and just that offense got out of sync. As crazy as it sounds, uh, I think the second thing is, look, he's proven, and he did this with the Rams, right? When he had Higby and he had Gerald Everett, Jared Goff likes throwing to his tight ends. And even though he's a rookie, Sam Laporta has proven to be a big-time weapon for them, and Goff routinely goes there. So if you can throw Derwin, uh, you know, make life tough for Sam Laporta out there because you have that versatile safety, I'd think about that. And we saw it against Garrett Wilson, a lot of Mikey Davis in press and getting physical with them. And it's going to be tougher against a bigger guy like Amon Ross St. Brown who's a little bit thicker, but I wouldn't mind seeing a lot of that as well. Just get on him, make him hold that ball a little bit longer, get into the backfield, and, and make Jared Goff uncomfortable. I love it. Well said. You make Jared Goff uncomfortable, make him get happy, Pete. Make him see ghosts. That's what they like to say. Make this guy see ghosts and continue to hit him. Even when he's getting rid of the ball, you hit him. Let him know, hey, God. So he's going to try to speed up that clock. That's what you want to do. Get him out of rhythm. Couldn't agree with you more, Matt. That's what they're going to have to do if they want to get this win. There we go. Get the win. We'll be back next week with a Believe in Chargers riding a three-game win streak. That's what we're hoping for. There's the recipe to success. Let's see if they can uh, follow what we suggest. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. 
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.